Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. And let's now focus now to the Curry Cup. Congratulations are in order for the free Toyota Free State Cheetahs after their 31-28 win against the Golden Lions in Saturday's final. And Cheetahs coach Franco Smith joins us on the line just to reflect on the campaign that was. Coach, good evening from us. Thank you for speaking to us on SAFM. Good evening, everybody. Good to talk to you. Coach, before we talk Curry Cup, you must also be saddened by the passing of Chester Williams. We've been remembering him today. How will you remember him? Yeah, it's a real, real pity what a man he was. You know, I played with him in '96, '97 for South Africa, and mm. um, and then you know worked, played against him quite a bit. And and yeah, he's a, a real gentleman of the sport, the year that he was. I actually met him in 1988. We played Craven Week against each other in Port Elizabeth, and mm. along with Tennis Lanier, they made a huge. Huge impact on that tournament. Uh, they literally tackled everybody and played everybody off the field, and, and that's where he made his name, I think, from the start. And then, obviously, being uh, lived in Italy for a long time, Chester also played in Italy for a couple of uh, a couple of uh, seasons, and you know, so got to deal with him quite a bit. And he's a real gentleman of the sport, and uh, it's a real loss for the game. Definitely. Now, back to the Curry Cup. Coach, what does this title mean to the people of the Free State and how special was it to play and win it at home? Now, first of all, you know, we uh, we set out three goals. We, we wanted to play a, a winning brand, but we wanted to play a brand that's uh, likable uh, from our spectators' point of view and our supporters and obviously uh, a beautiful brand, if, they want, if that's what I want to call it. Something that excites people and, and and we can score a lot of tries. You know, there was always in the, law, in the five years that I spent here in, in Bloemfontein, that was the objective. And, you know, we, we got it right in 2016. And again, and now and, uh, it means a, a, a big, of a lot to uh, our supporters. You know, they um, they came from all over South Africa. And and we, to have 40,000 people through the, the, the gates was, was immense. You know, we, we said we want to play the stadium full. Mm. We got it right, but we are very grateful and very blessed in that way. In some games, in most games this season, you were known to finish strongly, but this time you started like a house on fire. And we actually spoke to Ruan uh, last week on Monday, and he was saying it's not really such a good thing to finish strongly. They want to concentrate the whole game. Was it something that you spoke about in the week? Yeah, no, obviously, uh, you know, we we were leading well until the 67th minute. So it was 13, we, we felt 13 minutes short. Um, we, we scored at the 67th minute. Mm. Was still uh, 3-1-7. I thought we were unlucky about three times in the second half. We should have scored. There was a little bit of a nervousness around us. Obviously, you know, the closer you get to the end of the game, the more important the result becomes. And and I think that actually was the the the, the fire that uh, the Lions brought to the game. You know, they had nothing to lose. With 30 minutes to go, they could they threw everything at us, the kitchen sink as well, and and they they did very well. They they, they scored two good tries. Um, I felt, and then I think we did well to keep them out. We, our defensive was exceptional, and with no time left on the scoreboard, you know, it was mm-hmm. uh, a little a lapse of concentration maybe in the last minute, and then they scored. And so, but the, but the game was won by then. So we felt uh, a big sigh of relief, I must say. <laughs> but uh, compliments also to the Lions that never stopped playing. And you were also a men short, of course, uh, there late in that second half. But you dominated that first half, coach, leading 31-7 at the break. What pleased you most about that first half performance? Uh, look, we, we spoke about it, uh, obviously, against Western Province and uh, against the Sharks two weeks before. 
we were we were way, way behind the halftime. We did feel that if we can start well, you know, the momentum can take us through, and the pressure will mount on the opposition team if they have to chase the game in the second half, especially in the final, which is exactly what happened. So we we really focused on the first 40 and made sure that we get points on the board. Um, yeah, and but I, I, like I say again, you know, we we should maybe <coughs> maybe should have just continued. But, but then again, you know, the true reflection of the game is the scoreline. I think the fact that we were comfortably hit and we comfortably won in the end, although the scoreline looks tight, uh, it's a well and just reward for the big effort that the Lions put in through the whole season. You know, they've, they've clawed their way back through a, in a number of games. I think about four where they also come from behind to, mm-hmm. to be in the final for them must have been immense. So, yeah, I think it's a true reflection of our competition. And I know coaches don't like to single out individual players, but how good has Ruan Pinner been since you brought him over? And how would you describe his contribution? Well, look, he's an excellent player, and we all knew that when we brought him in. Um, I think his contribution was immense. I think he added some some extra value to already quality group. Um, and yeah, a little bit of experience in the tight games uh, was needed, I think. Mm. Uh, if you look back at our Pro 14 campaign when we started off in, uh, in September last year, we have uh, we have lost a lot, lot of players, 14 of them, most, uh, mostly the experienced guys, and then we had to develop a new group of players with a lot of them still varsity cup experience only, and, and then he brings something like, uh, somebody like uh, Ruan into the mix who brings all that, all that experience, that calmness, that organization is like a uh, a father figure to them out there, just calming them and just bringing. And I must say, you know, he's, he's playing excellent rugby school. You know, he's, he doesn't mm. look like he's lost a meter of speed. He's uh, he's agile. He, he's passing, he's passing well. And he's kicking on the button. So yeah, he's just a, a real class act. Joseph Dweber had a blinder there. For those only seeing him in the Curry Cup, what can you tell us about him? Well, Joseph, uh, we come a little bit of a uh, during this season. I said to him, look, you are, you have the capability of, you know, becoming South Africa's next best thing or next best hooker, but you've got to work hard in certain aspects of your game. His, his work rate and his intensity, especially in the beginning, was he has good he has good potential, but he doesn't use it for most of the game. And I think that is the main compliment, you know, to him. He, he kept on working hard. His, his, his numbers of contributions became more and more and more. Um, his actions during a game, he lasted, he played more than what, two games over 60 minutes. And and that meant, you know, that he, he's, the quality of his game lift up. Yeah, he developed a good speed change, his uh, contact skills up, improved a lot. And, mm-hmm. and his throwing in the lineup, you know, improved. And it was good, you know, it's good if you back somebody and you believe in him to see that he, he embraces that and he, he didn't want to disappoint. And he worked really, really hard to, you know, to contribute as much as he can and to be the best he can be. And Ox, Ox also going from strength to strength this season. Has anything changed or, or what's improved in his game? Now look, Ox is a very good player. Always, we, all, we all know that. I think he was unfortunate. I felt he was a little bit out of form when he got picked for South Africa uh, a year ago. I think he could have made maybe a little bit more of that opportunity. But, you know, that's now he's tasted uh, international rugby. He knows what it's about and he wants to be the best in South Africa. So... He just uh, worked really hard. I say again, we didn't have much of a pre-season before the Pro 14 started, and it was a new group. And obviously, after the pre, oh, with a bit of a break and a proper pre-season, we could work on certain aspects of his game, and uh, and his strength endurance was one of those things. That and also again, like Joseph, a contribution, 
um, the number of contribution uh, contributing act- actions improved and, and got more and yeah you know, uh, he's, he's slowly becoming the best in, in South Africa already. And do you think this group has improved, has become wiser and stronger because of their participation in the Pro 14 coach? Yeah, of course, you know, but to, to go from 0 to 5 out of 10 is easy. It's mm. uh, 5 to 10 that's the difficult part, you know. So, yeah, we started at 0, and I think we learned a lot of lessons in the first uh, uh, six, uh, 6 to 8 uh, games in the Pro 14, and then we, then we developed slowly um, into a proper unit towards the inner throw forward in this year and yeah I think the curry cup was just the right ingredients for now you know maybe take us to the next level finally you're off to Italy again next year to coach the national team what are your goals and targets that side yeah first of all it's, uh, it's, it's uh, I have to sit and wait a little bit for them to finish this um, the, the World Cup now and then yeah we'll get involved in, in the next six nations and then suss things out in the sense that we'll first then during that trip see what uh, coaching staff we're looking at after the Six Nations so, so it's just an opportunity to start I think if the Italians can develop a little bit of scoreboard pressure and not try and defend totals they might be a bit more competitive and you know like I said in the same with the Cheetahs um, it's a side that needs a little bit of a different viewpoint and a different ingredient to make them just a little bit more competitive and uh, hopefully you know from my experience they um, I can identify that and just take them to the next step. Well, we wish you all the best, Coach Franco Smith, and once again, congratulations for uh, lifting the Curry Cup title. Thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you, Free State Cheaters, our coach, Franco Smith, who is on his way now to uh, Italy and is leaving the Free State Cheaters in a very good uh, state after lifting the Curry Cup title and with the, uh, the next Pro 14 coming soon. Up next, we talk tennis with Jeff Kutsier. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. And let's talk tennis now with coach Jeff Kutsia, who has done it again. Congratulations. I'm in order a coach. You are, I've got a, a copy of a, a publication from Colombia where your name is all over and your picture there. How are you feeling, coach? Hi, good evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, very ecstatic. I mean, I must say... Uh, a lot of work has been put in, and I'm just glad it all paid off. And, um, yeah, it's been wonderful, wonderful last few months. So I'm very, very pleased. The last time we spoke to you, your team had just won Wimbledon. Now it's the U.S. Open. You were top seeds. How was the pressure this time around? Well, a little different because uh, um, I think we were sort of uh, going in that where we were on form. We were, we were the favorites, so it's always tough uh, being the hunted. But uh, I think we handled it pretty good. Uh, I felt like... Uh, we had some chances in the in, in, in the whole tournament where I felt, especially the second match, we were mm-hmm. done a set and a break. We came, we regrouped once we got after that match. Uh, I regrouped with the boys and just told them, look, if we're going to go further than this, uh, this is not the way to play. We need to be a little bit more aggressive. Everybody's going to come out of you blazing. So I want a little bit more energy and attitude from the start and show these guys why you're on top of the world. And uh, doesn't mean you don't have to do anything, but from the wood, first point, you know, kind of show them that you're still hungry for some more. And uh, since then, we've done a lot of work. And I think uh, the boys showed some good character. Was that the match against Daniel Evans and Cameron Norrie where you were set down? Yes, yes, they were set down in a breakdown, Jeez. and uh, we just basically fought. And I mean, nothing's really 
that easy to win so many matches. You 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 very rarely do you go through a whole slam, you know, um, winning just cruising through the whole tournament. So I think it was good for us to be able to do go through a match like that and uh, just kind of wake up a little bit and uh, from the word go to be ready. Well, they certainly listened to you because you dropped just one set en route to the final, beating the 13th and uh, also the 15th seeds there, Jamie Murray and Anul uh, Skupski there. Uh, before the tournament, how did you rate your chances at Flushing Meadows? Um, yeah, I mean, the, before the tournament, I felt like uh, we, we made finals of Cincinnati. We, we lost a match where I, I felt like we should have won. We took a, a day or two off. And then I just told the boys, look, this is the only way you're losing these matches. Where you win, look at the strong points, look at them. And I've done a lot of uh, uh, video footage with the guys and uh, on my own done a lot of homework as according to how I felt like practice should be going and obviously depending on the opponents we play. But uh, uh, like we said, look, at Wimbledon we did one thing, let's keep doing the right thing. And uh, the only way we can win another slam is by playing aggressive tennis. You know, you, you don't play... Uh, uh, and win Grand Slams if you if you feel like you're playing not to uh, to lose. You got to play to win. So that's the the mentality we kind of went into pretty much every match. And how, how do, what do you make of the way they handled that final? They were three five down in the second set, but really don't to win the next four games. Yeah, I mean, again, we talk about the final. You know, we played very good first set. We broke, and then we had so many chances. If you look at all the breakpoint opportunities we've had, we should have broken, and we should not never have been in the position to for them to serve at five three. But that's tennis for you. It's sport. It happens. And I, I just felt like after we 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 got broken and the Sabaya served at five three. We really got back right away, and we probably played one of the best four games in a row um, in that final. So I, I felt like maybe that's what we needed, but it's unnecessary. Uh, yes, we won, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a perfectionist. I felt <laughs> like I showed the guys, you know, yeah, we got away with it today, but I mean, this is not how we should go forward. But um, uh, uh, all credit to them, you know, after they got broken, they played four very, very good games. Well, they, when we spoke to you, they were the first players from their nation to lift a men's doubles Grand Slam title at Wimbledon in July. They are now the first South American pairing in the Open era to win the U.S. Open. What's next for these guys? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been absolutely chaos. I mean, these guys have now it's kind of like uh, the Springboks winning the World Cup for, uh, for us. You know, they've been all over the show. In, in, you know, that's one thing we didn't go to the Sunday ball at Wimbledon because the president of the country wanted them to be there Monday morning. It was a whole parade, like a bar had a whole fire truck from the airport through the city and everything, you know, and it was just kind of like waving and everybody, but that's the kind of tension they got. And uh, the, the nation is really, really happy. And I felt like uh, all credit to you, you talk about the newspaper uh, that I was there and mm. I, I feel like that with the fans it's kind of like they know me it's like <laughs> they come up to me taking pictures and really just kind of thank me for bringing uh, uh, helping a nation like Colombia and helping the guys which I'm happy to be part of and uh, in the future we just got to be able to you know two is good in one year but I feel like there's, there's a room to improve and uh, we just got to stay hungry and humble and be able to do uh, more of these tournaments, but for right now, for the near future, we we're gonna uh, focus on the next few weeks, um, and then we're going to Asia, and then finish the year in Europe. Hopefully, we can do all well at the the last tournament of the year in London. After the match, coach Farah paid tribute to a special guy called Roberto Cochetto. In his own words, he says the whole Colombian tennis power thing started with a dream of one guy who owned a huge business. Who is who is this guy? 
Well, this guy is the sponsor, the main sponsor, Colsa Nitas. If you look on the shirt, it's Colsa yes, Nitas. Colsa it's kind of like for people that don't know, it's equivalent to, say, a Mediclinic. It's an insurance company, medical insurance company that started. This guy is from from uh, Madrid, uh-huh. uh, San Nitas, which is in um, in uh, Spain. So he went over and he started this uh, company called Colsa Nitas, Colombia Sanitas. Mm. And that's basically how it started. The guy loved tennis, fell in love with it, and he said, you know what, I feel like I want to do something for Colombian tennis, and I'm going to uh, have a, uh, 20 kids. And out of the 20 kids, we're going to use uh, six kids. And that they draw down to six kids of the best kids, and uh, Cabal Farah with another four guys were part of this. Mm. And uh, they've been sponsored by Carlson since the age of 14, and this is the guy from Madrid that started the whole thing for them. So they, 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 when the guys are normally in Europe, that's where they spend their time with Roberto or used to spend the time with Roberto in Madrid. Yeah. So uh, very humble, nice guy. And uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, the tribute was very nice for him. It was very pleased. I actually thought they would go home uh, yeah. to, to, the funeral, to the funeral, but they, they made the decision because that's what Roberto wanted. And, uh, yeah, it's just sad, but uh, all credit to him and for doing this for Colombia. Well, that's a great story, and they certainly gave him a fitting farewell. Coach Jeff, thank you very much for speaking to us. I know you're busy, man. You're back in the country for Davis Cup, and all the best at this weekend. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a good evening. Thank you. That's our coach Jeff Kutsia there. His success is our success and now uh, making us proud at the US Open. And that's where we'll leave it, folks. Our time is up. And once again, our condolences to Chester Williams' family. He was always available to speak to us. He's been on this show a couple of times. Uh, even this year, I think we spoke to Chester Williams uh, twice. And uh, may his soul rest in peace.